My name is Dr. Lindsay Wisner. I'm a psychologist, author, a mom, and still an occasional shit show. You're listening to the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. This is a place for smart, sweary women to talk about stuff that matters, stuff that can make us uncomfortable, but stuff that helps us to learn and grow and be okay with living in that discomfort of not knowing the right thing to say or do all the time. Thanks for listening. You can also find me on Instagram at psychshrinkmom or at neuroticnourishment. You guys, Caitlin Brodnick is the sweetest woman you will ever meet. From her adorable pixie-like voice to her love for her son, ugh, she's cute and funny and brave and talented. In 2013, Caitlin won an Emmy Award. Yes, a legit Emmy. Don't let her try to downplay that shit. For her glamour docu-series, Screw You Cancer, where she documented the experience of undergoing a voluntary double mastectomy after receiving a BRCA1 diagnosis. Caitlin is also the author of Dangerous Boobies, a book that proves, well, it proves that I like to say the word boobies, and it proves that you can find humor in anything, even breast cancer. Caitlin is the co-host of the Scam Wow podcast, it's really good, uh, where she and her bestie, Sue Smith, discuss so many scams that on a recent episode, I, I heard them talking about the fact that they could both change careers and possibly become scam artists themselves. Uh, you can find Caitlin on Instagram and Twitter at Katie, C-A-I-T-Y, Brodnick, B-R-O-D-N-I-C-K. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey. Caitlin, thank you so much. And for also, thank you for handling the struggle bus that is Lindsay. It's um, all of our buses. I know we're all buzzing it. Struggle buzzing thank it. Thank you and for having we, me. We both did our lipstick, so we look yes. sort of... It's the most important thing. It is. Um, I, I've, I actually, upstairs, um, I've ordered some weird things during... Quarantine. Mm -hmm. I have those mm -hmm. magnetic eyelashes. How are they? I don't know. They're still in the box. Because oh, where I, the fuck am I going that I would take them out? need to report back, though. Okay. I need to know. Because I'm, I'm a little nervous that it's going to make my eye, like, vibrate. But I also really want to try them. I, I'm pretty sure it's just going to fall off, but I'll let yeah. you know if it does. <laughs> or, like, get sucked into, like, a compass or something. Or you walk by a fridge and all of a sudden they're fling <laughs> and they attach to the fridge. And you're like, whoa, that was, that was exactly. efficient. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and then I also bought a ball gown for some reason. Oh, I'm jealous. I've been Pinteresting and tagging ball gowns for something that is not occurring, nothing real, but I just love them. But you should. You should. But I, can I ask more about this ball gown? Um, what color? What size? What, yes. Where what from? size? Um, it's like, I mean, like a large skirt or oh, a, a uh, specific. I have size six to 16 in my closet <laughs> because yeah, I don't need full and depressed at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that information no one needs to know ever. Rip out the but, labels. I that also means it like don't a big know skirt? because I, when was the last time I put on something that had a number on it? Never. Not for me. Um, it's long. It's got that short, like a little short and then longer in the back thing going. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's called, but. Um, me neither. But it, is it like puffy? Like I know it's like very loose and flowy and it's navy okay. blue. Most of my clothing okay. is blue. And then it's got um, some sort of like shiny thing here and it's a little okay. low cut. Um, 
And I, I don't know it. where I'm going, but whatever. It's kind of like a Jessica Rabbit, like mm-hmm. meets navy. I love that. Yeah, I'm it's not, very chic. It's very chic. Um, I'm not a clothing person, but um, I'm not. A, I'm not a makeup person either. This is the you know. So uh, we're just faking it till we make it. We're faking it. Um, but you are doing really well. Like oh, I, you could say I'm not. Well, <laughs> you okay, could say uh, I'm going insane. <laughs> oh, so we're all going insane. But I will say, like I've I've spoken to a bunch of people lately, a bunch of comedians, okay. and um, I um, and you all seem to know each other, and um, because Alice put me in touch with you, mm-hmm. she's incredible. Yes, she is. She was on our podcast when I still had a co-host. Um, and <laughs> she's fantastic. Um, and. Uh, some people are clearly doing well and some mm-hmm. people are clearly not. And sometimes I'll be like, I thought it was okay. And then someone else will be like, wow, that person is amazing. And I'm like, really? Cause they're kind of not. They're kind of a mess. Well, the zoom, you have an advantage. So people will be listening, you know, and uh, making their own impressions, but you have a view into my bedroom <laughs> into if my bed's made, like when you zoom somebody, you really can snoop around if you're inquisitive enough. I don't, I can't. So true. Um, my bed is never made. It used to be made when I let my son watch television if he made my bed first. Um, <laughs> what a great idea. Thanks, I know. If then. If yeah. then, yes. Yeah. So, see, parenting, positive and negative reinforcement. Um, but uh, for the last two nights, we've been doing a family sleepover where we have literally oh, dragged so their mattresses into our bedroom. Oh, that's so fun. It's really fun. I, it's also... Um, Probably don't sleep very well. Well, they sleep very well, but they don't don't go to sleep till late. Mommy falls asleep whenever. But I'm also <laughs> aware it's like my husband and I are fighting, so it's our way to interject. So yeah, I think that's great. I know, right? It's why people breastfeed for long periods. Add a buffer. Yeah, um, just like mellow it out. Um, our kid never stops us from fighting, though. <laughs> We're like, you're here, you're a part of it. Oh no, they don't. Our poor little guy. It's just that <laughs> no. this, this, so the end of the night, we're not sitting there like forcing ourselves to like yeah, interact. We're just trying to. We're healthy, very unhealthy, silent. Yeah, healthy boundaries. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, but um, but it's the pandemic, so go figure. Mm-hmm. Um, you. Okay, I, I spent a lot of time this morning looking at your boobs, which sounds weird. And Thank you. I'm welcome. completely flattered. Um, they were, they, well, I looked at your old boobs. They were great. I, I haven't made you new boobs yet, but I'm sure they're even nicer. Um, I have a basic. I have a, oh, nice. Basic boobs. Um, I have a friend who, um, my uh, oldest, one of my oldest and dearest friends, she, um, she, somewhere between... I think about four years ago, she um, she was diagnosed with cancer. She I'm was sorry. also had ex- very large breasts all her mm-hmm. life, and she, mm-hmm. um, you know, went through the whole thing. And got a, she's mm-hmm. fine. This is not a sad story, you know. It's just uh, well, cancer is just so sad. I know. <laughs> and, uh, like I'm sorry she had to go through that. I'm sorry. Also, as a friend for you, like it's so stressful for your side too, because I feel caregivers and friends, support systems have a lot of trouble with it as well. I don't think I. I no, not I don't think I know. I wasn't very good. <laughs> because I didn't know what to say or do. Yeah, it's and very hard. She's also in New York. Or I'm sorry, she's in Florida. I'm in New York. And right. so I should have flown in uh, to be with her. But, uh, you know, there was whatever. In retrospect, I was I was a crap friend and I should have been better. And I <laughs> apologized as I should. Mm-hmm. But um, there was, uh, when I was watching your, um, uh, your docu-series, mm-hmm. Docu series, yeah. Docu series, yeah. Um, 
uh, what's the name of it? I'm blanking. Screw you cancer. Thank you. I knew it was similar. I just couldn't see it in my brain. I really wanted to call it fuck you cancer, but they made us use screw you cancer. I know. Which I think's fine. It is. You probably could have got an F blank something. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But then but, there's a whole organization called fuck cancer. So it's fine. I know. Screw you cancer was great. Yeah. Screw you cancer is great. And you were um, nominated for an Emmy with it. Oh, we won an Emmy, yeah. You won an Emmy, sorry, yes. I apologize. No, it's okay, it's like a special, it's like a special artistic National Academy Honors. It doesn't look the same as regular Emmys, but no, they're no, like no, no, no. fancy. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I'll downplay it if you need me to. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just embarrassed that I, well, cause I was, it's tough to be on the treadmill and read, okay? It's um, very tough and I'm dyslexic, so I'm reading all kinds of parts of the page. <sighs> right, no. <laughs> I was like, and then I got to your LinkedIn and so I was like scanning through that. And so, um, but it's fantastic and you can find, it is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's good because I can figure out how I was going to get to it. And um, it's a very honest, and I think that it's also very painful mm. because you're so sweet and cheery. <laughs> and, um, I was very young. <laughs> you so you this were, is, it was 2000. This is also, right. And this is not dealing with breast cancer. This is dealing with having the genetic mutation that yes. predisposes me to a higher chance of breast cancer in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So that's when you've heard of people like Angelina Jolie or other celebrities getting a preventative double mastectomy is what I had instead of somebody who has, it's a very different experience to have gone through cancer, have gone through chemo treatment, and then have a mastectomy without really a choice behind it. So yeah. I, we did the series to show that this was a new form of medicine and healing and cancer prevention. Yeah. Um, and to put a voice behind it because there wasn't that much visual, you know, documentation. There's a lot of research, but it's very clinical. So I also always want to be clear, like I did not have cancer. I never want to take that experience and claim that I had that. It's so different, but I am really happy to share um, my journey the other way, you know, working very hard to prevent it. Sure. Um, so I, um, I respect your clarification. I was going with, my friend was thrilled that she didn't have to wear a bra later. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I never have to wear a bra. You, yeah. They basically build you new boobs and the breast is, sits happily in your pectoral muscle. Nowadays, um, that mine is even almost dated by now. Nowadays they can create like a mesh hammock for your breast and it looks so natural and it's so great and you don't have to wear a bra because you just built a little bra around to keep it happy and high <laughs> yeah i'm so sad i, I mean i'm I, I would not obviously wish breast cancer or braca <laughs> one or yeah on anyone but like as someone who like was the first girl to wear a bra and she was great. In yeah. The room. yeah right i after having this and i was very like we grew up very 90s everything was like poo poo breast augmentation, like the 80s made us all have like a bad taste in our mouth, literally. And I think that if anybody wants to have plastic surgery, and I would have never assumed I'd say this, I say go for it. Yeah. I am so pro plastic surgery now because this did change my life and I do feel better and I do feel better in my body and their boobs I designed and I felt proportionate to who I am. If anybody wants a reduction, a lift, I'm like, let's not be shy. We have this ability. Yeah. We have expert doctors now. Go for it. I'm like, if you want a nose job, I'm never going to ever think or judge or assume somebody uh, should do anything with their body that they want or don't want to do. I'm, I, but I've never been more pro-surgery. Right. And apparently mo there's a lot of surgeries going on now because people are like, well, mm -hmm. fuck it. Like, no one's going to see me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I... Is that what's happening? Is that all the celebs are in? Oh, now I want to do something. <laughs> I'm like, what can I have done? Well, Botox obviously is easy and, you know, right. all those 
fillers and stuff, but um, not that you need it clearly, but I- uh, No, you look amazed. We don't, no, we don't need it yet, but who knows? Maybe I'll do it in three weeks. I oh no, know. I, I started doing it, I think right before, I don't know. I started doing it in the last three or four years, but like- Oh really? It's a secret from my husband. And oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. uh, that's very common. Yeah. Um, so not because I want him to think I look beautiful, but because I don't want to have a discussion. To give you shit about it. No. Yeah. And you don't want him to ever tell you not to do it because you're loving it. Right. I mean, there was one time I got filler in my lips and then lay down and took a nap and I looked <laughs> like a duck. And he, when I woke up, he was like, did you do something to your lips? I was like, no. And then I just started laughing and he's like, why'd you lie to me? I was like, cause it's so fucking obvious. It wasn't a lie. Yeah. You know? I didn't want to get into it. Right. Um, but, uh, the only upside is I, I was, I did get Botox before the um, quarantine uh, quarantine in, in prep for my book launch. And so, oh, right, of course. So I could probably go another month. Um, How long does it last? I'm it's supposed, asking you're for supposed me. to go back every three to four months or three. Okay. But for some reason, mine sticks. It might just be the fat, like literally. Or, um, or your so, body is just like holding onto it, which is great. Yeah. Um, and so it like, well, I'll go back and she'll be like, nah, you don't need it. And that's why. I oh, love. I love. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that because you want someone who's conservative. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Bless <laughs> <Excuse laughs> <Yes>, you. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> edit that out. Yeah, I don't have an editor, okay? So okay. <laughs> I'm supposed to get one, but um, I don't know. I, I, I edit on GarageBand and I'm very slow and it takes me hours to do it, but I love it. Yeah, I um, I did edit for our my like what ten year one year anniversary episode. I did edit clips mm -hmm. of like my favorite mm -hmm. things, and it just um, it took a really fucking long time. It takes a really long time. It's so yeah. difficult. Like I, it was the worst thing I've ever done. I'm never doing a top ten moments again. <laughs> like no. I'm just not. And Alice was on because one of my top ten moments was um, it might have been two was. I um, accidentally drunk emailed my son's guidance counselor. <gasps> and what did so, you say? Um, I basically, I had a thought come to me in the evening yeah. and tried to express it. And then the next day he called me and was like, Lindsay, I, I couldn't quite understand what you meant. Like, <laughs> did you read it after you sent it? And I was like, no. No, I was trashed. Right, you exactly. Did you read uh, it? Yeah, right. <laughs> it was six in the morning. <laughs> exactly. It, sadly, it was like nine o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, like, great. Because I'm Great. a parent, you know, but much more um, realistic, actually. Yeah. But then Alice um, and my co-host made me bring it up, and it was basically just a lot of like ellipses and dot dot dot, and me trying to. I love that. I was trying to do a mental health good, and I failed. And <laughs> I really, I have a fantasy of him actually listening to an episode and hearing me talk about it. But so far, no. I no. hope so. Um, yeah. Uh, listen, whose husband was it? Yours or Sue's that worked for Cutco? Or someone. So it was Kate's, our producer. Okay. Her, we had her husband as a guest, and he worked for Cutco for a long time. Oh, I should. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I did a horrible job. So, um, you're the co-host of the Slam mm -hmm. Wow podcast. Scam Wow. Scam Wow. Okay. It's okay. Now edit that out. Could be Slam Wow. <laughs> edit that out, guys. Yeah. If you're listening, edit that out. Edit edit whomever's out. listening. Exactly. Um. So, uh, it's called Scam Wow, uh -huh. and um, I listened to a bunch of different episodes, but the Cutco one. Um, I work with teens. I have three teens selling Cutco right now. Really? Yeah. My cousin's selling it now. Right after that episode, she called me and I was like, look, I don't believe in it, but you can do your little like seminar on me and I won't buy anything. She was like, great. I just need the hours. Like I knew that we understood the breakdown of the process. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, 
my patient doesn't even, they don't even care. They just want some money. And so I'm oh, not against that. Um, I haven't, I didn't finish the episode because I had to shower and you, know, <laughs> well, um, you gotta live your life. Yeah. But I am going to finish it later. Cause I do want to know, like, cause it sounded sketchy to me when they were telling me about it. And it's, it's interesting. It doesn't as much screw over the purchaser, the customer, it mainly screws over the seller. So the teens, the young people, they are working like an exorbitant exorbitant a ton of hours yeah a lot of and um they're working a lot of hours and they're doing a lot of like um sort of they have to attract other sellers and it's like a lot of this system and this idea of like basically a pyramid system um so it's they end up losing a lot of time which should be paid for really so it's a lot it's really it ends up being that the the sellers are the ones who are at a loss at the end i'm going to disagree respectfully and say mm -hmm. it's the parents and the parents friends of these kids yeah like because you got to do it you got to buy something i i don't I, yeah i mean i guess so but the, my parents really liked the knives so when my cousin called them they were like great because we really like these knives so i think but the the cool thing is that these parents yes they're buying it but they're not buying it for ever it's like a one-time deal so it would be like if you got like a hundred bucks, you get a couple knives, whatever. It's not really going to kill you. you They're you, really pricey. I know. But then it's done. It's like a one and done. It's like when you buy a nice rug, you're like, all right, it's worth it. And it's one and done. But the kids are in cycles of this and they have to find more people. Then they have to crowdsource more. And it's, it's like a vicious cycle. And also I think it takes a lot of their brain power and energy and a lot of, a lot of focus in their lives for just this one sale per person. Right. I don't know. And the I, managers just, ugh, it's I tough. I agree, but during this summer, at least they were doing something, you know, like. I know. Otherwise, they're just sitting around smoking pot and by all means, smoke away. I mean, I, right. I don't think that's clear. No. But like, your kids. yeah, yeah. Other people's kids can smoke as much as they want. <laughs> right, right. No, but I, I don't think it's about me. Either. I'm just not going to. It's just like, we've got a lot of weird shit happening. I'm not. We've gonna, got a lot of weird shit. I, Staten Island uh, turkeys, I heard. What happened? No, I heard it on your show. You can't say what happened. Oh. And I, and there were turkeys <laughs> running around. Oh, I was like, wait, there's new things about turkeys? Yes, there were turkeys running around Staten Island. But, you know, Staten Island is very confusing, and it's it sort of like the wild west of New York. 100%. So I believe I, it. There could be elephants running around. I'd be like, it checks out. Yeah, agreed. I briefly um, worked right after I got my um, license uh, there. They this place reached out to me. They basically needed a clinical supervisor, oh, cool. um, which I was no way qualified for, but I had, they just needed a signature. So yeah. for three weeks, I like commuted to Staten Island and signed. Papers. Wow. I love that. Um, you shouldn't. It was totally. But then you get the money. <laughs> exactly. And they offered me a permanent job, but I was like, there's no way I'm commuting from Staten no, Island. No, no, no. Staten Island. We were in either in Forest Hills or moving to Long Island. So mm. I was not making that. No, not that. It was you. a weird place. I agree. <laughs> yeah. It checks out for Staten Island. Yeah. It's super weird. Um, uh, but I still think you're winning. You painted your cabinets, I heard. Thank you. I did. Yes. I painted my cabinets. I am doing a ton of renovations in the house. I do things usually like halfway done because I have a toddler and things don't get finished. And my husband was like, I bet during quarantine you will be able to finish all of the little home improvement projects. And I have, and I've created more for myself yeah. and more and more and more. And I just can't stop. Um, I did the same thing, um, which it's definitely anxiety fueled. And I, I thought it was positive. And then mm -hmm. my husband did point out that I've also missed time I could have had with my children. 
but did you actually want that? <laughs> Maybe it was like time for yourself. And you're like, yes, yeah. that was purposeful. Yeah. Um, right. And for the, I mean, anyone who listens to the show knows that when you said you didn't want that, my answer was going to be no. I love my mm-hmm. kids, but like, yeah. for example, um, they recently took a t- an online quiz to find out what kind of a learner they are. Ooh, okay. They're both auditory learners to which I said, oh, in my head, I didn't. I, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I, no. Oh, no. I tweeted it. I was going to say in my head. And then I was like, let's be honest. I tweeted this. I was like, they found out they're auditory learners, which basically means they're just assholes that choose not to listen to me all the time. You know, like <laughs> that's all that means to You're me. You're like, you haven't been picking up that much auditory <laughs> learning around me. <laughs> Who is really, this with? I think you need to retake that goddamn test. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, they did, I started teaching classes on psychology cool. to teenagers. And then they... I signed my kids up for class so they learn like maybe six words of Spanish that they remember great okay right and that was our thing but I it was like what can I do now to like you know every day is that uh, is that way for me like and if you ask me like in a calm relaxed setting I could say oh yeah these are our usual days this is how we plan it this really works for my son this this we do the system but the moment of the morning of I'm always like oh shit what are we going to do today? Like, how am I going to entertain him? How are we going to get him exhausted? How are we going to like keep his attention? Are we going to do any learning today? Do we need shapes? Do we need numbers? Like I I do have this like mini panic every morning. And then I'm like, well, let's watch TV. (laughs) Let's first turn on the TV and then I'll collect myself, have a cup of coffee. I do watch TV and we as a household watch more TV. I think than like everyone does. Other people would. I don't know. I think I love it. I mean, I don't know how you define that, but because especially now, I may have asked, it's like, oh, we do a little bit, or it's not good for him. And I'm like, yeah, it's not good for us either, but this is what we do. This, this is where we <laughs> this are. This is how we're living. So, this is, this is what we're doing. Um, Luke is, how old is Luke? Oh, Lou, my son? Lou, yes. Louis is um, two and a half. Um, two and a half. I think we're going to, I'm, no, sorry, I'm stuck in a moment of feeling super embarrassed that I got his name wrong. Oh, don't even worry. I'll let it pass. He's, uh, (laughs) you know what, let it pass. I forget. Okay. So school (laughs) wouldn't have been, or was he? No, I really wanted to do like a, so I, being a really fun, cool, unemployed, uh, actor, I was like, I'll be home with him. It was fine. But then I was realizing I, they can never learn as much as they learn with other children. So I really wanted to do not that we could even afford a daycare, but I wanted like a two or three days a week yeah. for him to go in the morning and just play with other kids and have fun. And then, and that was my plan for this summer and fall. Um, and then COVID hit and I had other parents that I started talking to parents and they have all these other huge plans for their children. And so I don't know. So we're, we're going to the park. He actually is friends with a bunch of nine to 11 year olds that we play with every day at the park. And he that's plays okay. Soccer with them. That's okay. <laughs> He's so tiny and they're so nice to him. And he no, that's them. okay. It's um zone of proximal development. It's a sex thing where I just pulled it out of my ass. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. It means like, it's good for them to be with older kids so that they can like, you know, step Figure up. It. Yeah. yeah. So we might do a little um, group thing thing a couple of days a week with two other kids that's we're calling it Montessori I don't even know what that means necessarily but I don't know just, you're supposed to you're supposed I know to she said it. we'll do Montessori learning I was like great fabulous but I think we're all just playing together with like sand and we're gonna call it Montessori 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 whatever it is yeah I think there's like three or four people in the world that actually know what it is and other and you know what let me know <laughs> DM me what is it I don't I don't know I mean I feel like it's Amish but I'm sure I'm wrong <laughs> no, it's some like hippy dippy shit but I feel like 
fuck it. It doesn't matter. I, I think it's just a status thing, you know? Great. I'll take it. I'll pretend yeah. I know what it is. It's an, I think it's an Upper West Side status thing. An Upper East Side. Yeah. Anybody upper is fancy and has something I don't understand. Right. Perfect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brooklyn. We left out Brooklyn, too. We left out Brooklyn. Yeah, like Park Slope. Park Slope mm-hmm. is big on Montessori. Um, yes, we, um, but I feel like that's how I, until my children started the twos program, which was like the first nursery school experience. Right. And even then, like, I feel like the first five years of their lives was trying to figure out how to exhaust them. Yes, that's it. We're just like, how to get you tired? Because I was actually, my husband works for a very cool company that's international. And one of the employees is French and talking about all about French education. And she doesn't really understand why people are so fascinated with France. And I'm like, I'm fascinated. Tell me everything. Like, I'm such a dork for you. I want to know how you do it all. And she was telling me that she does her day based on, can they handle this activity or are they too tired or hungry? It's a, it was amazing to me. It blew my mind. She's like, we do this in the morning because they're starting to get a little hungry. Then we eat breakfast. Then when they can cognitively understand because they've been fed and rested, we do this activity. Then as it's going towards the afternoon nap time, they're going to be too hungry and unfocused to do anything. So we do this act. It, it was amazing. And yeah, I have never amazing. thought of it. Yes. And really it was like giving her kids the best opportunity. It wasn't frustrated. Why aren't you listening? It was, how can I expect you to be focused or stable or like present when you're either hungry or tired? So let's take care of those variables. And then I'll put the activity surrounding that. I thought that was incredible. And so compassionate. Like a schedule? <laughs> well, yeah, she she kind of wrote it down to me and she said, you know, and then we have lunch and we eat lunch and we take a little rest. And of course we don't do anything before lunch because they're tired. And it was just so interesting. And it was just all around like the three meals, but depending on how close or how far it was from the meal or the nap time, that's how she would determine the level of like, cognitive need for that activity that's so fucking brilliant i know i thought it was incredible it's really helped it really helped me a lot and also helped me be more compassionate like okay of course my kid isn't going to do the abc puzzle right now he's exhausted so we're gonna put on our little cartoon and i'm gonna not put that pressure on him when he wouldn't be able to do it anyway that's very smart yeah my kid it was like the nap time gestapo my kids napped like long past where they should have like I we would I love nap nap helps me like refocus as a human yeah um yeah. they like and we my kids are 26 months apart so mm. three grades but two years but mm-hmm. so I um I, definitely I was like um they were on the same schedule like I like I don't care yeah. I'm not having two separate bedtimes I'm not having two separate no. you know and so like we we like she, he might have been still napping at like seven on the weekends, you know. I mean, we like my husband and I. Sorry, I just text my husband. Bye. Thank you. He left the house with the child, so it'll be quiet. Um, I love it, and my husband and I look forward to our. We call it like a family nap. Everybody yeah. goes and naps, and it's the way I think we can be better people to each other. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Is he? Is your husband working from home? He is. He is. I'm currently in his office, which is our bedroom, and um, we have these like, like very pretty French doors to our bedroom, but they just fling open and close <laughs> all the time. So he really doesn't have any privacy. And for a while, we were the only TV we had was in our bedroom because we were we didn't want to have TV run the household, but it does run our household. So we just stay in the bedroom while he's working to watch TV. It, it was we were like 
the movie room, but like, <laughs> like yeah. having the worst time. We were all in just one bedroom. And so I like sprung for a cheap TV to put in the living room, a small one, just to like space out our bodies a little bit. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not a great situation for him, but that's all we have. No, listen, I understand. We were very fortunate in that we moved, we moved, I think we moved in late November. Oh, that's great. That's house. good timing. And we moved in like into, so we were actually, we were settled. We were, we're pretty like 99% settled in when COVID hit, which is great because wow. it's a bigger house. And so we are able to like- Really stretch out. Stretch out and also have some space from each other. Um, and then that way they can also pretend to ignore me when I right. call them. And you can do the same. <laughs> yeah, I know. You'd be like, I can't hear you. I'm in the shower. Exactly. So loud. <laughs> that is what we should all be doing. Yeah. It's a, a great water pressure. So sorry, your concerns are not <laughs> those of mine. Right. Continue to watch TV. Exactly. I'm checking it out. Um, and also that way, uh, except for the fact that like when my husband, my husband does leave work and he'll, because um, he works at a psych ward and so he'll, um, He's a psychologist also, I should mm-hmm. say, um, and a lawyer, and so I'm- That's why you gotta hide from each other <laughs> in that house. I know. It checks out. I checks know, out. trust me. <laughs> um, and so he uh, he goes to work every day, and he'll come home and be like, what'd you guys do? Or like, you know, and- Oh, I hate that question. And you know what my son said on Friday? He goes, Daddy, I watched the entire third season of Pokemon. <laughs> So my husband did the math. It was 260 or 240 minutes. How many hours? uh, I can't do that. I know, I'm trying. Like four hours. All right, that's not bad. Is that terrible of me? um, It it depends who you ask. If you ask me, no. If you ask my husband, yes. Um, It's like a movie before lunch, you have lunch, and then a movie after lunch. Right. Fine. Great. I agree. But that certainly wasn't the only thing they watched. I mean, they watched Fuller House. I mean, they have gone through seasons and now they're revisiting. Like, um, the problem is I also work. So it's, you know. Yeah, it is impossible. And there's been so many articles about it, but I still think that as parents, we are still hard on ourselves and living up to some bizarre expectation. But everybody I've spoken to and people say publicly, it's an exorbitant amount of TV. There's no way to balance it all. And it's so difficult. And we've never been in this situation before. Yeah, I'm, I'm not hard on myself. Right. I'm in the parent battle that some of us are into, which yes. is what is expected and what is yes. appropriate yes. and what, you know. Um, it's very hard. It's very hard. Um, there are other ways I have been hard on myself, but in this one, I'm like, oh, talk this shit like I'm doing the best you can I'm doing the best I can you know I wake up at 5 30 in the morning to work out so I can in theory that's amazing yeah it's fine I also start drinking by 5 30 at night so it all balances you know what it all works it's in fives you work in a circle of fives fives exactly um I uh yeah I totally I'm by the way I looked down to check my phone because I wrote I took notes as I was listening and stalking (laughs) um okay I have to ask the episode with Jonathan that was my where his um his friends um yes scammed him um mm-hmm. uh and I also did not know Reader's Digest still existed by the way I you know what God bless them good good for them and I good didn't realize them. they paid so well I'm gonna pitch to them I know yeah I know I know it's a good idea no just I love them the Reader's yes. Digest um 
just fit, gotta figure out who the fuck is still reading it and what they would want to read. But yes, uh, besides your parents, I'm sorry. Um, right. My family and that's it though. Right. So <laughs> the only one supporting them. You tell me what mom would like. Oh, dad looks like a little bit of a hippie, no? Yeah, he was for years. I mean, he's like, you know, a refined businessman, but he's a hippie. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I got to figure out what a hippie turned refined businessman would amount to read. And then that's what all Pitch Readers Die does. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, when was the episode recorded? Of Jonathan's? Yeah. yeah. I don't, it doesn't have to be uh, exact. Don't worry. This is. I'm, like I'm trying to think. It was probably like three weeks ago. Okay. So it was still during COVID. I was, yeah, I think it's like three or four weeks ago. Because the reason I'm asking is because um, um, one of you made a comment that was like about the police and mm -hmm. um, like, it was like, yeah, make them work for their money. And it was a flippant joke comment. Mm -hmm. And they're, no, I'm not offended in the slightest by it, but I was like, nothing offends me. But I was like, wow, this is an interesting time to make that statement. Like, yeah. and also good because not everything has to be about one thing. You know, and yeah, it was just a yeah. joke. Like it was just humor. Uh-huh. Um, so um so that was it. It just struck me. And I think that's we're all um trying the more comedians I speak to, I think you guys are in this for the same way, the same reason shrinks are. Like we got in this to figure out what the fuck is wrong with us or our family. <laughs> and so there's this element of like um like pain and like angst and like yeah. um, you know, your, you turned, you know, your BRCA1 diagnosis into something funny and prove that you can laugh at cancer. And Harry, Harry Potter world would say we should, you know, because there's a something <laughs> out of some sort. Um, but so I think it's interesting trying to, or watching what people are doing with it now when yes, exactly more stuff, you know. Right. Um, like, how have you felt creatively um, COVID has affected you, besides the cabinets? I know, loving my kitchen cabinets, refinished and painted them, um, pretending I'm in an English countryside, like I wish I was. Um, right now, it's been sort of odd. I at first really loved the concept of lockdown because yeah. if, you're, if you're a struggling comedian performer, I always felt like I wasn't doing enough. I always felt that I should be at more late night clubs every night. I should be doing this, I should be doing that. You know, having a baby definitely set me back performing wise, but then also I didn't feel like doing anything else but being with my baby. So I wasn't sad to be set back. I just felt that everybody was sort of speeding up without me. And there's this pride between stand-up comedians where they, and it's a good thing, they'll explain how many shows they get to a week and how much they're standing, you know, how much they're getting up on stage and how many nights they're booking. And, and it's a really great thing. And everybody's always encouraged to do more and see more shows and the more you work the tighter your jokes get and the more refined you are and the funnier you get and all of that's wonderful but then there was this like feeling of either the imposter syndrome like if I was doing it I wasn't really that good I shouldn't be up here anyway or I'll never do enough as as I need to to be like to play with like the big boys now when COVID hit I was like thanks like thanks <laughs> for this little break like it's it stopped me from running that those thoughts in my head and I did a, um, I do a lot of, well, it, it was really nice. The podcast really saved me because otherwise I don't think I would have performed or tried to or had any interest in it. it. There is this safety net of being like, okay, we can all take a breather and a break. And then as people are starting to do outside comedy concerts and people are starting to do more, it was getting me kind of anxious again. And then I remembered 
every single week, I basically do a version of stand up on my podcast. So again, it's just this like imposter syndrome or this expectation, or I have a lot of, I think in, in our career, there's not a clear path in any way. Like, and no one has had the same path. So a lot of times we hold on to one person's story or path in our minds and go like, well, they did it this way. That was successful. That'll happen to me just to sort of fortune tell for ourselves. And I used to do that a lot when I was younger about my body. Like if I was skinnier, that means I'll get the job. Like just all kinds of things that I would put on the path to try and make myself feel better or worse about where I was going in my career. And so what's been kind of nice is that I'm like, yeah, is that there's no clear way. And I've been able to do scam well and been able to do comedy and just remind myself like this might be different. Maybe I'm not somebody who's at stand-up clubs at all hours of the night, but I'm constantly creating stuff and commenting and making myself laugh, making my family laugh, making my friends laugh and our listeners enjoy. So it's this new format. And I will say that I still hold on to those things. Like I'll still say, well, this is how her career went, or this was the trajectory that they chose. That might be the way it works, but there's no real answer, especially in the entertainment industry. Um, You just try the best you can. Have you thought about like recording an album during this time? That's really a good question. No, I haven't because usually in my mind, albums have been like, um, an audience based, like a lot of my friends and comedians, whenever they record an album or a one person show, it's in front of a live audience. Gotcha. You want those laughs there. You want an audience that, a very particular audience. You And I know like uh, professional, super famous comedians, like they'll pick some place in Idaho or something like they'll pick a place that you wouldn't assume has the best audience. And it's wherever they usually perform where they get the most generous, like generous feeling from generosity from the audience where their the audience feels like in touch with their sense of humor so they pick up on the subtleties yeah. and they just sort of celebrate that comedian so really you and I think to each comedian it's a little different but you'll go oh that crowd was great like for me um, I'm from Maryland and my best crowd was Annapolis Maryland moms it just crushed and it was like so good and we were just cheering and it was like the most fun crowd I've had and it was a huge huge like theater and it was really successful and then I went to Boston the next night and got in my head and it like wasn't as great but there but but people were more drunk at that one so I'm like well maybe it's not Boston maybe it was the how drunk everybody was because they waited in line for so long and were given like free drinks like there's just all kinds of things you put in your head and and then when you set your live album you know when you set your big show that's usually what's around it but I guess now people are doing albums Without yeah, that. I didn't, obviously not being a comedian, I didn't think about that. Um, you need that audience laughter. Even if, even if it's a joke that you say like, huh, to yourself, if you hear people laughing or track laughing, it just encourages you to laugh as well. Sure. And in theater school, I had a great teacher who said that like laughter is just recognition, recognition to go, oh, that's me. You have this funny joke about scraping your toothpaste to the last minute, but you throw out half your coffee. Like, you know, yeah. They're like you. That makes somebody laugh because they're like. It's totally apt. Yes, and it's totally true. And then I would also add that there's now like scattered throughout most of our houses, as moms, there's like half-empty coffee cups all over the place. Oh, and I love Alice's uh, Alice's Zoom group. It's like, how cold is your coffee? And I think of that every day because my coffee is freezing cold. She has a show for moms, and it's I make my coffee in the morning, and I'll never get to it. Or I have bags, tea bags, floating around in cups, and. I'll just never get to it. And I just have embraced iced coffee. <laughs> um, I have too. I'll actually freeze it 
the night before. Yeah, yeah, why not? In the middle. Yeah, that's how I do it. Um, uh, you're right, I know. I'm, I just, I don't know. And then you can't do it on Zoom. I'm sorry, my problem solving brain just clicked in. You can't no, do it on Zoom because you can't, there's no way to filter out excess noise and then other, I understand, right. that's me. I, well, my friend does Zoom. She's doing, Lauren Hookcrass, she's wonderful and she's a really funny comedian. She's one of my favorite in New York City, period. She's not from here, she's from South Carolina and she's, she's so funny. Um, if you ever want her, Lauren Hope Crass. And uh, she, I was just going to say, I'm writing yeah. it down. What is it? Lauren? Yep. Lauren Hope Crass. She's lovely. And um, she K has been doing K. <laughs> I think so. I'm sorry. I know you're dyslexic and I'm OCD. So that's no, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll text it to you later or I'll send you her Instagram. Um, she's lovely. And she will do these live college shows and she'll have the kids all zoom in and it's free for them, but the college pays her. And so she'll do a stand up bit and she'll say, unmute when you laugh. And so they all have to unmute when they laugh. And then she'll oh. be like, Charles, mute again. We don't want to hear what your roommate's saying. So she's done like a really good, like crowd working scenario. And I was there to help her as like a tech one day to yeah. mute anybody who wasn't talking. And I accidentally muted everyone. And she was like, no, I need that feedback. Like, because then they encouraged each other to laugh. And so the com the complexity and the new evolution of a Zoom comedy show yeah. is growing as we speak and it's yeah. getting better. Um, that's really interesting. I know that, I mean, I know New York Comedy Club has started doing some outdoors mm -hmm. stuff and then Fairfield Comedy Club in Connecticut is doing it. Um, my friend Ariel did an amazing show um, and she got quoted, Ariel Elias, who's really, really funny, she got quoted by NPR and they said basically they re, they wrote her joke out and they said it was fantastic, perfect. And I was like, that's all you want. All you want is for somebody to like write your joke out exactly how you said it and then at the end tell you it's perfect. Like that, I was like, this is huge and it's huge because she hit the exact zeitgeist of what's happening right now in comedy and her joke was just so lovely and she's been getting this great attention. I'm so happy for her because I'm positive she didn't assume that this one random outdoor comedy show, she would just crush it and people yeah. would be there to report on it and share. And so it's, it's very exciting how people are sort of being showcased and shining during this gross, terrible time. <laughs> Absolutely right. worst time ever. But I think you're shining too in a different way in that you're enjoying you're enjoying the time with your family. Not all the time. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. It's okay. Mm -hmm. No, no, not all the time. If it was all the time, you'd be a fucking liar. So yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Or drunk. Or you'd be like, or this is fabulous. Yeah. I see <laughs> I prefer the latter. That's how I you know, we all do it. Yeah. Um yeah, thank God for Drizzly. So I don't have to leave the house. They deliver. <laughs> um no, they're not. No one sponsors me. Just, you know, just I love them. Um, just send them this episode. Be like, you should sponsor me. Listen to how hard my life is as a mom. I know. Yeah, it's true. I think they're all probably drunk there, though. Probably interested. And I, no judgment, no judgment. Um, none of us go anywhere, so what does it matter? Um, but I feel like you're shining in your own way. Like you. It's nice. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I sincerely mean it. I mean, uh, listen, you are not the 2013 version of yourself, which is good because none of us should be who we were seven mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but it's family and it's, you know. Um, no, I love it. I, I actually really love being with my son and I really like him a lot as a person. Yeah. And we'll go into groups and I'm like, I'm so glad I'm here with him because he's the only one I want to hang out with. Like really like 
he's the cool kid and I'm so happy to be his mom. I love it when he calls me mama. Yeah. I just cannot, I just, I love it every time he's just, before so you're talking, he's just learning my name that's different than mom. And so when he says my name out of his little voice, I just really enjoy him as a person. And that is something that the only, and it never bothers me. Like I, I, I'm happily just with him all day long. It's when he goes to bed and I sit at home and I'm on my phone and I'm on Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, I should have done a live show in the, you know, in the city, in a park, you know, to a pigeon and filmed it. Like that is the second, <laughs> that's the Actually, second. Actually the pigeon, I, I would like to <laughs> They're amazing members. They're good. You know, they, they don't always stick around, but yeah. you know, they're Or everywhere. laugh. They don't laugh. No, they don't, they just poop a lot, but they're there. They're around. Yeah. You can't tell them apart and that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I... I think like that's sort of when it creeps into my head, but I think that happens to a lot of moms because I feel like motherhood is such a specific individual task for each child. Yeah. But there are so many people reporting on it and talking about how they do it so well or so this way or so that way that I think that as moms, we know that our kids are constantly changing. We know that there's so many ways to help them and so many ways to discipline, so many ways to educate that I feel that it can read this insecurity because everybody else is talking about the way that they do it. So the way somebody else parents is, is not going to work for Lewis, but I'll see that or see how glowing she talks about it and go, Oh shit, should I be doing this? Like there's a lot of that too. I think yeah. Rachel Hollis is getting a divorce. So, you know, throw all that shit out. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> oh, she's the one who wrote, um, um, girl, stop apologizing. Okay. Whatever. Well, maybe she should have apologized a little bit. <laughs> maybe she should have taken that book with her into couples therapy. Right. Just kidding. No offense. Sorry. I wish you the best. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Whoever you are. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, but see, I, I have the different, a different, like polar opposite experience on Instagram. I love going on there to find other funny, snarky, sweary women. Oh yeah, I love those women. And who are honest about how they feel. Like, mm-hmm. do you know um, Gila Fnefer? She's a. Yes, I think so. I'm really bad with names. I know everyone's face. If you like pulled up a face, I'm like, oh, I love her. Um, she also um, made the same decision you did, though, for the pre. Um, oh, wonderful. Good for her. Pre removal of booth. Thank you. Preventative double mystectomy. Preventative double mystectomy. Thanks, Lily. Thank you. Um, and she's uh, an expat living in uh, the UK, and she's super cool. Um, but she's also super open with like not. You know, I don't know. I like people who admit that we're not perfect and we all our kids. And sometimes For my kids sure. are assholes. I'm sorry. Like. Oh, yes. And we did, I did a stand-up show for almost two years, maybe two years, um, right before COVID hit, we ended. And it was for moms and parents. Was to it bring the BYOB? No, that's, um, that's Alice's show. Mine right. was... Um, why am I losing it? Baby and Me Comedy. Not my favorite, but I like title, but it was very clear, very simple. Baby and Me Comedy. And I took over from another great comedian who, Sally Brooks, who moved down south. And so I, and she did it with her ch- child. And so I would host it every, I think once a month. Now that I'm like blanking, believe me, a COVID is like only a couple months. Now I've forgotten everything pre-COVID. Um, can, I, can I show you how I keep track of time? Yeah. Can you see that? That's my countdown every day. <laughs> like it's prison. I love it. Every day. You need to Instagram that. People yeah. will be very relatable. That's a good idea, actually. You should. I haven't thought of that yet. Brilliant. Put it up. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so we did a, we do a monthly show and you can bring your baby and the 
point was for younger parents, like for younger aged kids, infants, they basically fall asleep throughout multiple times throughout the day. And we wanted to have the parents be in a place where if your kid screams or cries or needs to be in bed right. without a boob, yeah, we can all make fun of it. And so the entire show, when I, whenever I, every time I did it, I would basically be praising these parents. Like, I can't believe you got out of the house. I can't believe we're physically here. Like, isn't this nuts? Isn't being a parent the worst slash the best slash yeah. who are these assholes? But, but I love him and I made him like all constantly after every single comedian went up and my rule was you weren't allowed to make fun of the parents. Like they are, we are literally hanging by a thread with newborns and first children. We are learning so much that if you as a comedian make fun of my audience members, I'm not booking you again. And that's a hundred percent true. And I don't, and I have like a no bullshit thing. And I know a lot of comedians, there's great crowd work and people can like give each other shit and the audience talks and you talk back to them. I was like, these this mothers, is not the time to do this. This is not the time. Like these mothers, like I, you have to look at them with kid gloves. And a lot of my comedians didn't have kids. And I've had like one or two that sort of made fun of it child's name or like was making fun of and I was like get off my stage this isn't for you like this is this comedy show is a service to these parents who feel embarrassed to go out in public with their kids feel anxious they're they don't know how to like multitask with all these different pacifiers and bottles and wipes like we're just literally getting by second to second so this has to be their this has to be relaxing for them that they get to laugh and enjoy in a safe space so I really love that because I would just I would just talk about the shit. Like I talk about my postpartum depression. I talk about cesareans. I talk about sex after babies. I talk about pooping after you have a baby, like just everything. And they were, all of my comedy was very easy to come up with at that point. It was like no stress because I would just talk about what was happening with right. me, with my newborn. And mainly it was just to make them feel more comfortable. And yeah. they laughed. Thank God. Thank God it was funny, but it was really, that was my source material. And that was one of my most favorite shows. I'm so jealous that I didn't have that. I joined Stroller Strides, which is oh, I, that's good. I guess walking and complaining. Um, so <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, it was really walking in malls in Long Island, and yeah, I did not like the woman who was leading it. Um, yeah, but um, I did listen. I met some friends, and that's right, great, of course. But like, it was also like the focus was still sort of on how I was feeling about my body and that was right you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like so it was that wasn't their focus that was my focus so it would have been much better to be sitting there laughing with other people oh yeah and moms can drink and like you can order food like it was really nice and I mean I will say though to that I couldn't really get myself up and out of the house I was dealing with my postpartum depression that was very physical for me yeah and I don't think people talk about when people talk about postpartum depression and I always say it as much as I can the what we learned in the 80s and what we see in TV and movies, I was told by multiple doctors that that's postpartum psychosis and not postpartum depression. And sort of the, in the, in the common knowledge of postpartum depression, when you talk to an average person, they, or you're afraid of, or they tend to think of postpartum psychosis, a woman driving into the river or a woman right. killing her kid or like jumping out of a building. Like that is what was sort of, fetishized and obsessed about really in like the 80s yeah and so I think that's what people think about when they people who don't know and common people and even first-time mothers are afraid if you admit that something is you're having postpartum depression or you could be you're like well I would never hurt my child I don't want to do that so that's not me but I had to talk to a bunch of doctors that explained which I loved that 
postpartum depression is the same diagnosis code as depression. You just add postpartum if you've had a child. Like yeah. I, that blew my mind because as a woman who's been to plenty of therapists and gets all of her codes and knows all of her meds, to have the diagnosis could be the same as depression. I've had depression my whole life. So yeah. now to add postpartum means within this year, I had a baby. So it was such a freedom and such like a gift when I figured that out. And um, so I always made sure to talk about it in my show that this is, if you've ever dealt with depression or if you have a family member or somebody you love and you've, you're considering compassionate to them with depression, this is just depression with a different label at the beginning of it. It's the exact same. And this is a beast maybe we've tackled before or something yeah. that you're more familiar with. It's not, postpartum depression isn't its own monster. Now, I love that they have postpartum depression so that doctors can know there's a child involved, maybe the relationship, you know, this right. person is getting less sleep than usual, her body's healing, all these things. But I, it blew my mind when I understood that there was no diagnosis code distinction. Now, like, you know, say what you want with insurance companies and this, that, and maybe it, there should be, but I really liked they didn't feel like I was some sort of abnormal creature right. as a mother. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, when I had my son and I was, I, I was a doctor, I was, had been working, yes, you know, like, of course, I, I took a months off. No, right. But the fucked up thing is this is my field. And I didn't realize until afterwards that I only separated night from day by like raising the blinds in the morning. Yes. And lowering them in the evening. And I was fucking depressed. And like, I didn't. Very depressed. Yeah. But also like the thing with having a new baby and anybody listening or going through it, it's that when you have a baby who needs you, who's crying, you're in an autopilot sense. Like you aren't actually checking in with yourself that much. Like right. you might for a second be like, am I depressed? And then your kids start screaming and you have to go feed them. Like there's not really what sort of troubling and difficult to, I felt to diagnose myself and for my friends to diagnose themselves or even get help is that you're sort of like constantly catching up after your own child and after their growth and after the newborn and their schedule that to even think of that, like you might de be depressed. It's like, well, of course I am. I haven't slept. Like I almost think everybody sort of downplays it. And yeah. I heard that a new, I'm sure you know more about this than I do that. I probably don't if it has to do with the <laughs> DSM because. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but I, a friend of mine talked to her doctor and she had it. She realized she had postpartum depression when her daughter was three, that she must have had it. And a lot of doctors say, or I've read that doctors say that um, at three years old is usually when postpartum depression gets either realized or comes back for parents who haven't addressed it early on. Interesting. And I had a good friend of mine who said that she realized she talked to her doctor and she was like, oh, I think you have postpartum depression and her child's like two and a half. And so I think it's sort of that moment where I'm seeing now with my own son, he's able to do more things on his own. He can watch TV sitting on his own. I can be in the kitchen doing something like we have more space to sort of see ourselves yes. as full people and emotionally, you know, be more attentive to our emotions that then women can realize that maybe they did have postpartum depression early on. They didn't really catch it or could even catch up to it. Yeah. And then you realize it at like two or three years, which I also think can be really hard for the mom because you're like, this whole time I couldn't have had help. Or there's just so many I know feelings and judgments and like stressors about us all trying to be this great, perfect mom that has all the answers for this little infant that's asking us to basically have all the answers. Yeah, I don't have any answers. I never changed a diaper when my son when I had my son. Oh, so I yeah. was super fucked. And like getting this kid to sleep was like I, I it's so hard. it was so bad. It was so bad. So um hard. It's so bad. I would have had a third except for the sleep factor and I would need a different sperm donor because my husband refused adamantly. 
Yeah, um, that, that's for us too. I think like the sleep thing, and I, I like actually, I'm so glad you said it because I have not heard more people talk about it, but we are struggling with thinking of if we could manage or do it because the sleep factor sleep. is such a huge thing for us that we are not the people we want to be when we don't get enough sleep and yeah. it builds up on us and we crash as parents. Like we really crash. We had a really tough time in the beginning of COVID. We had to like go back to my parents' house in Maryland and just get help because yeah. we just felt, I was sick. Lewis was sick. None of us were sleeping. He was waking up like five times a night. And so Alan and I became my husband, Alan, I just said, Ella, like, you know, um, <laughs> Alan and I became, we're renaming zombies. your whole family today. I know. <laughs> la, 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 la. Um, we became zombies and we really needed our family to help us just so we could get back on a sleep schedule. Yeah. And I asked, well, I mean, it was a sleep issue for me. I had such anxiety around it. And then, you know, when they get sick and you're like, Oh fuck, everything's it. going to hell. And Forget like, it. I know. And we would be anxious before bed for if he would sleep through the night, then we would be anxious throughout the night. If we hear him, then when he'd wake up, we'd be anxious. Did he wake up too early? Is it going to be a tough night? Then is he going to take a long nap? Like it was, it was, it is something that can create an incredible, incredible amount of stress. It was hugely stressful. I mean, I have anxiety anyway. It was hugely stressful mm -hmm. for me. Um, just, uh, real quick. It was funny. My daughter, um, she was slow with her physical development, but, mm -hmm. um, like a like a PT and OT skills, mm -hmm. but very advanced verbally. And so, like, basically, when we we tried to let her cry it out at oh, some point, I know, so I know. And so we closed the door because we didn't want her way to wake up her brother. Right. And finally, one night, my husband goes in there. And he's like, "What? What are you crying about?" Not really expecting an answer, but yeah. she goes, "Want door open?" <laughs> You're like, "Oh, oh. and that's just that." And that was the end of it. And like that wow. was good. so uh we got lucky because she was should not have been speaking like that, like she was too young. Um but um go, listen, we never she was one before I ever got to move the crib level down. So that's where oh, yeah. Yeah, because she didn't sit up, so I didn't see a problem. Yeah, why? You yeah. know. Um but um but yes, that sleep is awful. Um, Caitlin, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Can we be friends? I really like you. Yes, I love this. Thank you so much for being so understanding of my schedule I've literally had to cancel and reschedule this <laughs> call so many times it's because really okay <laughs> oh I, I have because children. of his sleep because of his nap schedule exactly and I have no problems with that um <laughs> where can people find you follow you? oh wait I forgot to mention Caitlin you have an awesome book also yeah thank you um uh, it's dangerous boobies yes I really like saying the word boobies um people so people should, can, should you should read it very good. Dangerous boobies. Um, okay, I haven't read it, but I, after talking to you, I'm assuming it's I'm not going to fake, like, you know. But. No, don't even stress. It's it, Basically, it's a comedy book about my experience, and I've had friends that have been like, you know, I don't know anything about boobs or breast cancer, but I thought it was funny. So I was like, that's the biggest compliment. I'm yeah. just like, you to laugh, you know. And I also, I, I, I am going to read it because I relate to my people are the people that don't give me that that sad face when I tell them something sad. Yeah. I, I want to, to joke sometimes. So there you go. Yes. Yeah. Um, so buy dangerous movies and then where should people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, usually floating around there at my childhood nickname, which is Katie, C-A-I-T-Y. My last name, Brodnick, B-R-O-D-N-I-C-K. And also on Scam Wow Podcast, which is a podcast about scams. Me and so my co-host Sue Smith, it's 
very fun. We, it's a weekly podcast and we talk about historic and current scams. And um, I think this week coming out, we have a mailbag special. So people send in their scams or send in like if they got scammed or a scam that they found and our listeners are incredible detectives. So it's really fun. So exciting. I They're love it. Good. It's definitely, it's now officially added into my rotation. Oh, thank so. you. I, yeah, it's really, really fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, shout from rooftops, smoke signals, hot air balloons, whatever. I'll take any of it. Uh, And if you really like what you're listening, why don't you become a patron? Join our Patreon. Visit us at patreon.com backslash neurotic nourishment. Thanks. Thanks.